0: Hi, I'm Amy Marshall from Hey Poppy and welcome to our Health and Wellness Expo Week. All right, I'm so happy to be chatting to you today, Madhavi. Um, it's really nice to see you because I haven't seen you for a while. We met a long time ago at a mutual friend's lunch and I've followed your, your sort of business journey from when you started Positive Minds Australia a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, and I think I've always wanted to kind of catch up and chat to you and was waiting for the right opportunity. So here we are.
1: I'm so pleased to be here, Amy. (laughs) It's such a joy to finally have this conversation.
0: Good. Um, well, I'd love to start by, um, asking you a little bit about your business
1: journey and what you do. I began a Positive Minds in the last 12 to 18 months, but it's been a conversation in my mind for a good two decades. So I've been working with young people uh, right from when I finished studying um, at university. I studied psychology and counseling. And after that, I began my work at Autism SA and started to specialize in the area of social emotional learning. For young people. So, in my early 20s, uh, I began a private practice. Someone approached me and asked me if I'd like to join their practice and bring some of that uh, knowledge and training that I'd been doing around social emotional literacy training to private practice. And I was 21, 2 at the time. I was like, okay, I'll try that. Wow. So, that's I young. gave it a go. I was yep. very young to start something like that, but also a great time. I ha- didn't have my own family yet and uh, really at that stage where it was it was easy to take that kind of risk. Yep. Uh, and so I began and it it thrived and, and grew very, very quickly. And what I learned was social emotional literacy is something that all children can benefit from learning. Mm-hmm. So I brought a lot of uh, a lot of that uh, knowledge that I had from my work at Autism SA into my private practice and began to extend it to children with anxiety, attention disorders, uh, developmental delay and children in general who were just struggling um, because of their personality and temperament and, and some of those things for some of them things that they had also gone through in their lives and began to teach them those skills so that practice went along beautifully uh just me on my own for many many years and uh i had these long waiting lists and i was thinking oh, it would be so nice to have other people to work with and bring in more expertise and then a- as it happens you have children we've got three young children so went through that process and 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 just love that part of my life and now became the point where you know we have three children at school now and you know i was ready to expand into positive minds australia Mm -hmm. and that's really an extension of that initial practice so what we do is provide counseling and support at those times that families need a helping hand Uh, and we also provide uh, social emotional literacy well-being confidence uh, training programs based on all of my books uh, with a beautiful team of uh, professionals that just, uh, I couldn't have asked for a, a greater bunch to to come along for the ride with me. So we have teachers and counsellors and we deliver programs uh, to teach those skills to young people. So wow, that's,
0: that's amazing. I'm really interested. You did start very young, so you're obviously a real people
1: person. <laughs> I, I, I am. I love, I love talking and yep. I love listening and I love people. And yep. I'm really lucky that I found work right from the beginning that yeah. I have always loved yeah. and I still feel energized and excited by.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So that is really interesting, I guess, um, you know, starting a business in your early twenties um, in that yes. field. Um, did you have, um, and I hope you're okay with me asking that, this question, because um, I'm interested to know, did were you, from a, did you have that um, in your own family growing up? Did you have that kind of support in your family um, environment?
1: In terms of being able to a business background, well, not so much made? the
0: business background, but I guess under knowing that, um, knowing how important uh, knowing how important confidence is in young people, having that yourself oh, yes. and kind of being interested yes. in that area. Um, I'm asking the question because I know myself, I mean, growing up and probably admittedly now with my kids, it's an area that I don't focus on probably enough. Um, And it's probably reflective of my own upbringing. I think that we just, you know, academic was pretty important and, you know, we got by, we sort of didn't, we we went through, um, you know, issues in the teenage years and kind of fumbled through ourselves. But I guess... I was thinking about it this morning and thinking, quite honestly, that sort of age between, you know, 8 and sort of 16, I remember being so confused, (laughs) you know, about so much um, and sort of pulling away from my family environment. Well, not pulling away, but also focusing on, you know, my sort of social environment and juggling those two, you know, environments. Home wasn't just everything, you know, anymore. And it was kind of like getting used to that was such a strange time. So I think it's interesting that you, you know, were interested in that from an early age and saw the importance
1: of it and can help people with that now. Yeah, I think I can tell you why that is. And you're absolutely right. You know, from eight onwards you know we put so much emphasis we all there's plenty of books and knowledge and conversation about those early years when you bring that baby home and how to toilet train and how to teach matters yeah. and all of these things yep. along the way and we it's almost like we burn out really early <laughs> yep. taking soaking in all of this knowledge and all of this information and then suddenly our children start to differentiate between our value system and and what we've got happening in our little bubble at home. And they start extending out to the real world, which is exactly what we want them to do. We want them to develop their own identity. We want them to have a sense of uh, self. We do want them, as as frustrating as parents as it is, we want them to test those boundaries and see what is and isn't okay within this value system and what fits in with the value system of my school culture and what fits in in the broader community and 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 so they do they start to move away but while they're moving away you know right through those years even when they're 16 and 18 they still need us just as much as they did when they were a small baby in our yeah. arms they just need us differently yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and parents need that support which is why i love my job is being able to provide that information about what it is they need and how to deliver it in a way that they'll still actually listen to you yeah. so where that came to me I, I I think it's this. When I was um, a little girl, my dad was a, the head of the social work de- department at the Glenside Hospital, which is what it was called back then, the yep. SA Health. And and, and we were um, given this house on the, the all the managers, so the psychiatrist, the head of social work and the psychology team, the, the leaders in that um, area were all provided with a house on the premises of the hospital. And so right from when I was a little girl, my backyard, so I had a backyard. I don't know, I had a fence, but the fence also had a gate, and that gate opened up to the grounds of the Glenside Hospital. And and back then, um, you know, there were there were lots of different people living there, um, from dementia to people with intellectual disability to people with psychiatric um, disorder. So there's a real broad wow. mix of people that were supported. So your back door, and literally, where yeah, so <laughs> I roller skated, <laughs> rode my bike um played uh when my friends came over it, that was it my dad would come home for lunch in the school holidays is obviously what I remember him doing that opening that back gate um and he'd come in and every now and again people you know his patients people that that were there who really loved the um you know the relationship and connection he had with the people he was supporting them, They occasionally would wander into our backyard <laughs> yeah. so I grew up so fascinated by the broad set spectrum of what it was to be a person and very from a you know from five six years of age my eyes were like wow this is you know so I'm having these interesting conversations with people in my backyard yeah yeah Um, and and I I could just see uh you know I guess as a kid then going to school and having brothers and sisters and growing up just like the rest of us did I would just—I guess I was like a magnet. I would notice when someone was struggling. I would notice when someone wasn't having a good time. And having the kind of parents and the culture that I grew up in as well, which was very much about compassion and yep. kindness and empathy, mm-hmm. um, it just—it just felt so important to me. It felt like, well, what about those kids who yeah. don't fit in? What yep. about those kids? that I might not be friends with right now, but I can see they look really sad. And I just had a thirst to know more about the mind. I, I knew I wanted to study psychology probably from when I was seven or eight years of age. I don't oh my even gosh. know gosh. I knew. And I just I just knew. So I think that that's a very long answer to your, to no, your question. No, but it's so but interesting. How it,
0: what an amazing how upbringing. Like that makes so much sense. Now It does. Like what an environment to grow up in and what a... Um, yeah you know, what a way to be able to see how many people, you know, are from different walks of life and have different problems. And and I think it's really interesting what you touched on before about um, your parents being, um, you know, still needing that help and guidance and kids needing that help and guidance of that age group, because you're exactly right. When I think about parents, like my mind goes straight to, you know, under five, you know, struggles yeah. under five and learning and you kind of you know, think you get to a point and then it's, you know, then it just gets easier and easier. Um, I'm terrified of the teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think, speaking to you now, you think, do you know what, it's actually okay for parents to um, continue to seek out help on how to communicate with kids at that age. Um, yeah, it's probably not, I'm just thinking about how I think about it. You sort of, I guess, oh, I'm going to do a visual here, but you kind of go, oh, like this, like this, like this, and then sort of split apart as they kind of grow up. But you need to stay a bit more side by side for a lot longer and help them get through those times, which you both may seem like that you don't need it, but you really do, right? Absolutely. <laughs> this is good. I'm going to keep on. this we- in mind because when, it, you know, I'm already thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to pull away from me. was, you know, it's about 12. We're going to, you know, we've got the next 10 years to be really close. And then I'm going to remember that, no, it's just relationships will change. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't mean that they split apart.
1: Definitely not. And and I think, you know, it's really important during those stages to, you know, one of the hardest things as a parent is to stay present in yeah. the moment in front of us uh, and to just take each day as it comes because, you know, we love our children so much and, and as you know, I have you know, three three children of my own. Who, um, you know, I love them more than anything, and I want everything to be okay for them. And part of them getting that sense that everything okay comes from my ability to to not get into the emergency lane and to try and stay present with them in that moment and celebrate where we yeah. are as a family and be really forgiving of them and really forgiving of myself that we're all on a learning journey together. So yeah. they're learning to be six and, and 10 and 14 and I'm learning to be the mother of a six, 10 and 14 year old. So, yeah. um, and and so is my husband. So we're, we're learning this uh, together and I think if we can just relax a little bit and and remember that the, the key thing you know and you mentioned it earlier is that relationship that connection with our children if we're willing to uh, love and accept them you know for who they are and know that when they are teenagers there might be times when they look more distant and they, they might roll their eyes or they might push us away. But behind that is still that child that wants oh to my know gosh. Yeah. that they can always fall back in your safe arms, yep. but they can go out and have an explore and, you know, come back with all those mistakes they're, they're going to make and have those challenges and know that we'll still be that presence where they can come back and tell us what happened and have a response from us like you're not, the first person to make that mistake, and yeah. you know, this yep. is part of growing up. And you're doing such a great job of being a teenager, and they want that encouragement. Um, and that part of being a teenager, you mentioned, you know, teenagers, but part of, part of that whole experience is is making heaps of mistakes as you stretch further and further away. But knowing that it's okay to make those mistakes, and that you can make a comeback, and that you can repair things, and that you're doing a great job. Navigating, yeah. You know, they need our optimism, they need our confidence and encouragement, and and they also still need our leadership. We just present it differently at different stages of their growth.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I'm just thinking about my teenage years. I don't think my eyes came down from the back of my head for two, <laughs> two years. I think my eyes were constantly rolled at my parents. And yes. we've kind of laughed about it at the time. I mean, they were—they just looked at me going, you just don't seem to like us at all. In my own mind, it was never a question. I just, no. you know, I, I, like. it's funny, you know, I look back and I think the, what I gave off was not at all what I was feeling. So, yes. you know, it's yes. to me it was like I never, no, my gosh, I didn't think that. I don't know why my eyes were rolled, but they just were. Yes. It's confusing that time. So... That's really good. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. So we just don't take it personally. No, don't take it personally, Mum. I got a little bit off track because I've got a couple of questions that I'd love to chat to you about Mm. at the moment. Um, So I guess things are strange at the moment, obviously, in the world for a couple of reasons. I I don't need to um, mention what they are, but um, I'd love to know if your skills or... um, in your own life, um, have come more into play with, um, COVID and coronavirus and being at home more with your children and how you've communicated and coped, um, helped them cope through such a strange time in life.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel so lucky to have this work behind me. It makes it so much easier. Um, But at the same time, it's the same sorts of struggles that everybody goes through. And and look, there's always going to be a a difficult time in our society, isn't there? You know, we had the bushfires earlier on this year and that was devastating for our country here in Australia. Uh, And then, of course, then we have the global pandemic uh, and then we have all of the, the political unrest and and there's there's always going to be something. And I think the, the most important thing um, to remember is during those times, it's okay to feel that broad range of emotions yes. that we all go through. Yep. Uh, and it's okay for our children to experience that broad range of emotions, that discomfort, that feeling of being unsettled is what it is to be human and you know having the tools to know that it's okay to feel the way that I felt helped me support our children Mm -hmm. at that time Mm -hmm. Um, and spending more time you know I mentioned earlier about just being present and slowing down I think that's what makes parenting really easy for me is trying not to overthink And, and if this is a learnt um It's not something that ever came naturally to me and I don't think it would come naturally to anybody. Um, To have the skills as a parent is really to be able to be yourself and to be confident in who you are as a human being, to be able to provide leadership to these little people that you call your children. Mm. So I I think, you know, we jump ahead, what do I say? Mm. What do I do? And we worry so much about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing at a time like this. (laughs) And sometimes what we need to do is not worry so much about saying the wrong thing. It's about feeling, you know, preparing ourselves and thinking, you know what, I have a brain and a mind and a personality and I trust who I am to just open a conversation with my children. That's not, it doesn't have to be a big conversation. It can just be, gee, there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. I wonder if you might have some ideas about that or some feelings about that. If you want to talk about them, you know, I'm here for you. And so, we don't have to have the answers. I mean, I'm very good at telling my children things like, oh, I'll need to think about that, or I have absolutely no clue, darling. I'm going to have to, <laughs> what do you think? And and the more we respond like that, the more human we are to our children as well. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're always the expert, then how do they become the expert in yep. their lives? Yeah. So I, I think we, I think... The most important thing is really just to try and take that big, deep breath and just relax a little bit and yep. be silent sometimes when we don't know and, and show our children, look, I'm still figuring all of this out too, you know, yeah, life okay. is a, a, a decades of trying to figure all of this out, right? <laughs> and and the sooner they see us relaxing and us responding to global news like this, you know, I always talk about the contagion of emotion because we do, we feel everything that's going on around us and, and it's the hardest part perhaps of being a parent is being able to regulate ourselves yep. so that our children can co-regulate with us. You know, they can, they'll be calmer when we're able to move through those emotions with them too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think just being in the moment, um, being open to not knowing, mm-hmm. uh, asking them questions, Letting them think it through, giving them no more information than it is necessary because. uh developmentally children aren't ready for what's going on in the newsreel for you know a five-year-old watching the news or even an eight-year-old watching the news it might be happening in a country that takes 24 hours to get to but that could be next door from their perception of what they're developmentally capable of understanding so that when they see that it's like well that could be me yes that could be my mum yeah that could be my auntie um and so we've got to be really careful with what we expose them to, but make sure they have age-appropriate information because they're already going to be trying to figure it out. I know. It, right?
0: So, yeah, I mean, that was what I struggled with and I'm still struggling with at the moment, kind of. Yeah. I don't want them to be completely ignorant or shelter them too much. I mean, they have to know some, they have to get some sense. Well, they And they pick up on this stuff anyway. And, you know, I guess occasionally we do have the news on in the background when it's not bluey or Channel 20. 20- <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know I mean sometimes some of the things that are on there I just kind of jump up and think oh my gosh they should not be exposed to this right now but you can't do that you can't monitor that the whole time so I guess finding that line between overwhelm and, um, and education is a tricky one but I guess what you're saying yes. is be be comfortable and trust your instincts as to what they can handle as it sort of happens. Yes. I mean yes. I guess... No, I, I would not um doubt anyone's got their children's best interests in ha- at heart when you're um talking about these things. So I guess if you follow what you're feeling and what you think they can handle and be open to those conversations, it's a pretty good pretty good way to
1: handle it. Yeah. That's right, Amy. And I think, you know, limiting, um, depending again on the age, you know, you mentioned you don't want them to be ignorant. You you want them to know what's happening and they already know what's happening because they go off to school and they have yeah. conversations and um, the older they get, they might have access to the internet and social media and other things. It's just that what we do know is that it's very hard for young people to, you think about when you hear bad news or you see bad news, it's very hard to switch off from it and it can be really emotionally taxing and that can start to have a ripple effect on other aspects of our lives. So it is really important that we limit what they see and the best place to get information is not off the telly or the news, it's from you. So uh, ideally we're giving them information and saying, look, you might have heard about this. Um, You know, do you have any questions? And and that's a much better way because the news is news because it's horrendous. And so when they visually see horrific things, it becomes part of what lives inside their mind and what lives inside our mind has an impact on how we feel and then how we feel has an impact on how we behave. So it's all interconnected. So we know from the literature that it's really important to reduce even for us as adults how much exposure we have to negative news, So it is important to limit it. And we are the best source of information. They're going to get it somewhere else. But if we've been able to um, just explain the facts and say things like when terrible things happen, the the predominant question for the child, Amy, is what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be okay are we, gonna, are we going to be affected? Because when they see it on the news or they hear about it, even as a teenager, you suddenly are brought to the harsh reality that we're all vulnerable and we're all in a position where that anything that we see on TV could happen to us. Yeah. For a kid, it's like, well, that's an adult about yeah. my mum's age. Yep. That could happen to my mum. And so that's what they need to know is uh, you know that you you um, that they're going to be okay, and and to, if you can help your children differentiate between their experience of what's happening right now here in their life compared with what they're seeing on the news and highlight that there are differences and that they are safe and tell them I am completely confident that you're safe to go to school, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at the time of the pandemic with all the, you know, all of that, you know, when you when once we had enough information, it was okay to send them back to school here in Australia, being able to say to our children, you know, I am very confident. I know it's hard to believe with all the information that you're hearing from around the world, but I I assure you, I would never send you somewhere that you weren't safe and you are safe. So, yeah,
0: you know, I actually until you mentioned it before, I keep thinking about the last couple of months, but we've kicked off the year in such an awful way here in Australia with the um, bushfires. We were actually uh, me and my family were in Kangaroo Island at the time, and we actually got off the island. I took them off the boat off on the 11 o'clock boat one night just because there was a bushfire coming, you know, fairly quickly towards our house and that was a really, I just did not know how to, I mean it was a pretty terrifying experience to Mm. wake them up, get them out of bed and Mm. I remember sort of being in the car, I mean they were sort of half asleep at the time but how much and how they actually coped with it really well and I guess this is the Mm. other thing um, that they they always surprised me about how much they can, Mm. (laughs) you know, cope Mm. with and and process and, you know, uh, I guess their strength is, you know, Um, more than I give them credit for but that experience was one where I was just like how much do I tell you I mean I can't really hide this we're actually you know in blankets running down to the boat and getting on there to get out of there so you know I guess that was an experience where yeah I think about that occasionally I think that would have been so overwhelming for them but they seem to be Mm. okay so here we are.
1: (laughs) Hugely overwhelming for them and for you and for you to then the leader, you know, provide that leadership oh my at a time gosh, when so you're strange, so yeah. frightened. Uh, and I think, you know, the best thing we can do in those moments that we're not prepared for, well, first of all is, tr- you know, trying to think, well, what would I want to hear if I was a kid right yeah, now? Yep. And, and, you know, I think at all of those times, that's not just when you're fleeing from a really dangerous situation like that, but even when our children are struggling with their behaviour and their emotions, if we you know, one of the things that can be really helpful is to think: Well, what would I, what would I want to hear from yeah. my mother right yeah. now? What would I want to hear from my dad right now? Mm-hmm. What would I want to hear um, to to get through this moment? And and really, what they want is is someone to name what they're feeling. Yeah, okay. feelings without a dialogue are terrifying. Yeah, so they're going to be scared. Why wouldn't they be scared? It you know, feelings are messengers. We're meant to feel all of these emotions. So someone just being there saying you know i know this is something you 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 know you didn't expect and um it can feel really frightening to do what we're doing and i want you to know you're safe and i'm here with you and i'm going to take care of you and nothing's going to stop me taking care of you and you just you're there for them but you label those feelings you know we know that that helps reduce stress levels when someone acknowledges how we're feeling in that Mm -hmm, moment. mm -hmm. So you obviously handle it well, and you mentioned, you know, the the children get through things. We've got to remember, we've got a dialogue of of, of a 30, 40, whatever year old, you know, you are in in our head that goes a hundred miles an hour. Kids, on the other hand, are are very present beings. They, They are able to, um, discharge emotion really effectively through play and through conversation and imagination and doing you know getting on their bikes and moving and doing all of those things uh so we might be worrying and worrying but a lot of the time they're not yeah, <laughs> yeah. if they're worried in that moment they come and talk to you about it um but if they can continue to stay present and have someone you know help interpret what they're feeling All of this makes a massive difference to them, and that's how we grow their resilience. We support them emotionally. We stay present with them with the feelings. We identify those emotions. We let them feel those emotions, Mm -hmm. and we show that confidence that they can get through it and that we will help them get through through it
0: too. Okay, so that's exactly what I wrote the note about before. The word resilience, I want to talk about that because I know – well, from everything that I understand about what you teach, resilience is a real foundation, and I think that um, that's so important and such a simple way to look at everything when parenting. That if your prior, you know, if one of your main goals is building resilience, everything on top of there should kind of become easier and easier. So, would you agree with that in terms of resilience being a really important foundation?
1: It's 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 a really important foundation, and it's also a lifelong process. Yeah. So you know, when I wrote the Resilience and Wellbeing Toolbox, yes. which is coming yes. out again this year, yeah. um, But in two thousand and sixteen was when when I first wrote it, and it's coming out shortly as a second edition. Now, the idea of writing a book like that, and 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 really all of the other books, is to provide knowledge and information and practical tools that we can teach before something goes wrong, right? Because things will go wrong. Mm. This is the nature of life. Yep. It, it doesn't follow this straight line for any of us. And when you're a child, what goes wrong is usually relatively small, but it can be really big uh, as well. So, so if we can teach these skills as part of the foundation where we teach children how to be self-aware, how to be aware of other people's emotions, how to understand how to handle your feelings and respond to difficulty in a constructive way where you're not hurting yourself or hurting others, then yes, absolutely, we're laying a really important lifelong foundation. These are life skills. And at the same time, we continue to grow throughout our life. So what Ideally, when a child learns these skills right from the beginning, when a crisis comes about or even a, a tiff in the yard comes about, someone's already taught them before the problem uh, some tools to cope in a healthy way. Yeah. But because our brains are still under mass construction until our mid-20s, they will continue to struggle with resilience. And that doesn't mean they're not resilient. It just means it's such a big process. And and children uh, operate very much off impulse and emotion and inexperience. I mean, you and I have infinitely more life experience than our children do. So we're going to respond to things very differently to a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. So yes, it's an important foundation to have, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything will be smoother flowing. It, It will mean we'll respond more constructively, okay. and perhaps, but we have to invest in our resilience and our well-being um, and our self-confidence throughout our life because none of us have those things all the yep. time. Um, these things are meant to go up and down depending on our our own life and what's happening in it, um, and our health and our you know it, all of these things. There are so many variables that have an impact on that. But the more we teach the better. I mean, we focus so much on the curriculum and, and yes, we need to be able to do all of those things, but we also need to be able to get along with ourselves and other people and handle our emotions yep. so that we don't um, use them as weapons. <laughs> we use them in a constructive way and we go, oh, this emotion is telling me something. I can do something with that and I can learn and grow from that.
0: Yeah. Just an ongoing process. It is <laughs> a
1: lifelong
0: ongoing process. I would love to finish on a couple of questions about the books that you've written, because I am reading this one, the Confident Minds Curriculum. Okay, I am, and I think it's awesome. <laughs> I've I've um Thank I've you. spoken with it. Um, I've spoken about it with a couple of friends, and how it works is so straightforward and kind of fun. Um, with- <laughs> I'm glad to hear that.
1: That's lovely
0: feedback. Thank no, it know. is. It makes it really um, straightforward. I thought, oh my gosh, this is quite thick. <laughs> yes and I started it reading it's all it's- broken down into bits that is easy to read really interesting it has examples and then role plays and um, case studies all of,
1: all of the books that I've written are really practical and that's because I work with kids, you know. I'm, I'm not just writing them and telling everyone, here, here we go. I, I spend, you know, well, I'm a parent, but I also have worked for the last two and a bit decades working with young people and 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 when I write, I write, yes, um, you know, parents find, find the books really practical and useful because they can follow the concepts at home, but I, I write them with educators and, and health professionals in mind who are, are there. In amongst the, the noise and the busyness of a classroom or the busyness of a private practice in a you know in a group or one-on-one yep. to teach um to teach these skills in a way that logically breaks them down based on the evidence that that you know I've always followed around how do we teach the, you know these skills that are really tricky skills to teach. Yeah um because they they also then re- re- on a translation from the child based on their personality and their temperament. So the confident minds curriculum is really looking at um, what is it that helps us feel more confident in who we are, but also more confident in others mm-hmm. and more confident in our futures and the world as well. Because yeah. you know, confidence is just crucial for our ability to to keep going and yep. to get back up when things go wrong and and it's complementary to to you know the other books in that they all work together in their own way and address different aspects of uh how to teach and lead young people to you know think in a way that feels comfortable uh so that they feel more comfortable and can enjoy things more.
0: yeah okay so and you can get all of these online
1: yeah, so all of my books are available online and they're yep. also available at the Positivemindsaustralia.com.au. So you can uh, get them from there and you can also get them from Amazon and other overseas booksellers as well.
0: The acknowledgement to your kids in the beginning oh. section literally made me cry. I was like, oh. that is... I was reading it going, that is the nicest dedication, like oh. absolutely beautiful. Your words are gorgeous. <laughs>
1: Um I don't I don't remember what I wrote but I do love them
0: so oh much. Oh my gosh. No, I can tell. It's um it's a it's a beautiful um few sentences that I was like, "Oh my gosh." Thank you. What a lovely what a lovely vacation. <laughs> um thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been really really interesting and um a lot of food for thought for myself and I'm sure everybody else. Is there anything else that you'd like to mention about any upcoming Talks or anything that you'd like to
1: mention before we go? If you follow any of my social media, yep. um, anything that's open to the public and that is available, as well as my private workshops, they're all advertised by that Facebook page and my website. Yep. Uh, so there's plenty of information out there, and I'm always on. And soon I'll have a, a YouTube channel where I can pop some wow. free tips and things yes. up for families. Okay, as that'll well. be good. Great. Um, yeah. So. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's such a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we can catch up again and uh, maybe talk about something else another time too.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. It was great to chat to you, Madhavi.